I'll never forget my first visit into the city. Uh, Colleen and I, we were reuniting. It had been months since we'd last seen each other. I was visiting the city that she had claimed the summer before and, and had returned to this summer. And, and she was excited to show me around, to show me all the sights, to show me the things that she loved about San Francisco. And, and I'll never forget that first drive in. We, as we drove into the city, I took in all the scenery, the hills, the trees, the palm trees, the pine trees. I took it all in. It's a beautiful place, really. And if you've been there, you've, you've probably seen it yourself and thought, wow, this is a special kind of setting. Like, it's beautiful. And so we're driving into the city, coming in on, on the Highway 101 into the, the downtown area. And she's telling me all about it. She's so excited to show me Pier 39. And if you've ever been to San Francisco, you've no doubt heard of Pier 39. Pier 39 is where the, the sea lions go. They, they all sit there on the, the little docks floating in the bay. And they bark all day long. And there's little shops. And one of our favorite shops was the, the little place with crepes, Nutella, and bananas, and maybe a little bit of peanut butter spread in there. And we would stop there and have a little snack. And then we'd make our way down the street. And we'd move our, our next stop to Ghirardelli Square. And, and as you walk from Pier 39 to Ghirardelli Square, you smell all the smells, the things like in and out and the Bodine Bakery making that fresh bread, those bread bowls for the fresh clam chowder. And I'll never forget my first time in the city where Colleen wanted me to walk down this street past the Bodine Bakery. We are going to go to Ghirardelli Square. And I could just tell she was really excited about this next stop. And, and as we're walking, I'm noticing the bread bowls. And, and then out of nowhere, in the middle of like the city sidewalk, street sidewalk building, like no trees or plants or grass around, is a bush. And as we're getting closer, I'm not thinking much about it. We get real close and boom! <laughs> the Bushman... The world-famous San Francisco Bushman, he pops up and he scares me, and I jump, and Colleen, I'm sure, laughed, but I don't remember exactly what happened there. But it was a moment that just freaked me out, man. Freaked me out. And, and if you've been to San Francisco, if you visited there, you know the Bushman. He's, he's so famous that people come they sit across the street for hours just watching him scare tourist after tourist. And, and if you're visiting a friend or a family member there, they try to set you up to be spooked by Bushman. Like the Bushman is, is famous. He's well known. And I hear anyways that the Bushman makes about $60,000 a year off tips and scaring people and freaking people out and causing people to have to change their pants real quick. Now, the Bushman, though, $60,000 a year, scaring people, that, that, that wasn't Bartimaeus. No, that wasn't Bartimaeus. He wasn't living a decent life. He wasn't a sight to be seen. No, that wasn't Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was the beggar, not the entertainer. 
maybe you don't know Bushman, but maybe you've been to the other coast in New York City and you know the naked cowboy. You know why he's called the naked cowboy. Because he literally is naked except for his cowboy boots and the guitar strapped around his midsection. And I would be very careful searching that right now if you've got children around because the naked cowboy is in fact naked. And, and when I looked up the naked cowboy myself to learn that he's a blues musician and he travels around as the naked cowboy, I learned that, that he was most recently uh, down in Florida where he was arrested for being naked in public. But that wasn't Bartimaeus either. Bartimaeus wasn't this, this sight to be seen, this naked cowboy playing music. And that wasn't him. Uh, no matter what city you go to, Chicago maybe, as you, as you walk along the Magnificent Mile or from Michigan Avenue over to the lake, uh, as you go through the tunnel under, under the road there, you hear the, the sounds of drums and, and you see all the guys on their, their paint buckets playing incredible drum beats. That's not Bartimaeus. Uh, maybe you go to New Orleans and, and you take in the music, the jazz musicians on the street, entertaining people. That wasn't Bartimaeus either. Maybe you've been to Las Vegas. Maybe you've been to Las Vegas. You've seen the magicians. You've seen the gymnasts. Uh, you, you've been intrigued and wondered, how do they do what they do? That wasn't Bartimaeus either. Bartimaeus was none of those. Bartimaeus was the beggar. He was the loud guy calling out for money, asking for help. Bartimaeus was the guy in the corner that people walked by. And no doubt you have walked by yourself before as well. Bartimaeus was blind. He was unable to see and he, he depended on his hearing to know who was coming and going. He was ignored. He was ignored because in those days, a disability like blindness, it was seen as, as something that he had to deal with because of sin in his family line. In fact, that sin in his family line, it was, it was so ingrained in who he was and, and, and so ingrained in the culture that, that in the scripture, only one gospel calls him by name. The others refer to him as the son of Timaeus. Uh, the son of Timaeus, known because of his father's sin, not by his own name. You see, Bartimaeus is known as the blind man. But in Mark 10, we learn a little bit more about Mark Bartimaeus. We learn about his story. We learn about his faith. And we pick it up in, in verse 46 where it says, Then they came to Jericho. Then they came, this, this group. And it says, Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd. They were leaving the city. They were leaving the city and a blind man. And all the other gospels say a blind man and leave it there. A blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. He wasn't the, the naked cowboy. He wasn't the bushman, the musician, the entertainer, the gymnast. 
the magician. He was the blind man begging. The blind man that you've seen when you've gone and visited cities. The blind man that you've walked by. The blind man that you have heard calling out for help. That was Bartimaeus. When he heard in verse 47 that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, help me. Jesus, son of David. You see, when he refers to Jesus as son of David, we get this Jewish ancestry. We, we understand that Bartimaeus is, is more or less calling out and saying like, Jesus, I believe something about you. Jesus, the Messiah, the, the one that, that they've predicted, the Savior, God with us, Jesus, if it's you, have mercy on me. Already we're getting a glimpse of who Bartimaeus is, that he is a man that has faith. He's a man that believes Jesus is the one that they told about in the scriptures of old, the one that they had been waiting for. He believed that Jesus maybe was who he said he was. And I get to verse 48. And I'm just shocked by what happens. This blind man who has faith that Jesus is who he said he was, He's calling out, and in verse 48 we read, Many rebuked him. Many told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, Jesus, hear me, see me, heal me. It's sad to me, though, maybe it's sad to you as well, that many rebuked him. Uh, Who were the many? Well, we read it already in verse 46. The many were the disciples and the crowd, the large crowd that was with Jesus. These were the people that were close to Jesus. These were the people who were walking with Jesus. These were the people who knew the teachings of Jesus, had seen Jesus perform miracles, who had seen Jesus say to people, get up. Who's heard people or heard Jesus say, Your faith has made you well. These are the many in this group. And the many, they don't say, Jesus, there's a man crying out for your mercy. No, they say, hey, you, blind man, shut up. Hey, you, quiet down. Hey, blind man, go away. We don't have time for you. Jesus is going somewhere. They're like the bodyguards. They're the bodyguards pushing people away from Jesus. And and what's really disheartening is that this is not the first time that this has happened. No, it's it's not. Remember, this is the crowd. They're with Jesus. They travel with Jesus. And so they know all these things. And just a few verses earlier, just a few verses earlier, they rebuked those that were bringing little children to Jesus. Ten Verse 13, it says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. They were bringing them to Jesus so that he could place his hands on them to bless them. And in verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 13, the disciples rebuked them. (laughs) These guys, they don't seem to get it. 
They don't seem to get it. Can we pause here for a minute? Because we can learn quite a bit from the disciples. We can learn quite a bit from what they don't get. Well, let's keep it simple today. Let's keep it really simple. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Let me, let me put it in a different way. Don't be the reason that someone can't experience Jesus. Don't be the reason that someone like Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus doesn't experience the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the welcoming, the embrace, the healing of Jesus. Let's keep it simple. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. My friend Brian Hoffmeister at Lake Point in, in Muskego, he's got a staff handbook and, and everybody agrees like to, to the different things that they ask of their staff. And every year he asks the staff, like review the handbook, make sure you understand everything here and then sign it and date it and, and then live, live a, a life that's, that's pleasing to God. But I love at the end, he, he kind of says like, if nothing else, like understand this, live like this. Uh, Brian says, don't be a jerk. Like, like in the simplest of ways, like if you're going to be anything, don't be a jerk. And I love that because, because I'm a jerk sometimes. And I think the disciples are jerks sometimes. I think the disciples, they keep people from experiencing Jesus sometimes. And I know that I, maybe unintentionally or accidentally or just by being rude or a jerk, have kept people from experiencing Jesus. Now, Jesus, he goes on in, in verse 49 and, and he stops and he says, bring him to me. Call him over. And the disciples at this moment, I'm sure they're just like, what? Like, okay. Like, and, and it, it turns into this like, hey, hey, blind man, son of Timaeus, like, come here. Like, the, the, Jesus, he wants to see you actually. Like, my bad. Like, I didn't mean to like shun you and tell you to keep quiet and to stay in your corner and to just go away. Like, hey, Jesus wants to see you. And, and I, I imagine... I imagine what happens here because of what's said in verse 50. It says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. He jumped to his feet. Like he had energy. He had joy. He was filled with like this, yes, my life is about to change. And, and he came to Jesus. And there's this symbolic picture here that that I think is just so, so meaningful to understand. You see, this cloak that he threw aside, it was a cloak that had been given to him because he was a beggar, because he was on the street. It was so that people knew, like, this guy 
is blind and begging. And, and he's like the lowest of the low. It showed who he was. It showed that, that he couldn't do any work. It showed that he had nothing to offer. It showed maybe that he had no purpose and that he was the, the lowest of the low. But he throws off his cloak when Jesus invites him and calls him to himself. He throws it off. And what I see here is, is that symbolic moment of throwing off who he was, throwing off who they said he was the poor beggar, unable to work, without purpose, an identity that was really wasted. He was throwing off all that had been said about him. And he was stepping in to this life that was going to be transformed and healed by Jesus. I love that. I love that because there are people out there, waiting for that invitation, calling out to Jesus and saying, like, I, I just, I need to get to Jesus. And let me ask the question, like, are you pushing people away? Are you telling them to shut up? Are, are you being a jerk like the disciples? Or are you being the reason that they're invited to have this moment, this experience, this life-changing relationship with Jesus? Where are you? Who are you? Are you the person that leads Bartimaeus to Jesus? Where Jesus then can respond and say, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately in verse 52, Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He experienced transformation. He experienced a new life. And, and today, some of you, you're, you're here, you're watching this online, and you feel like Bartimaeus. You've been calling out for help. You've been searching for purpose. You've, you've thought, like, maybe Jesus can change my life, only to have bad experiences with Christians, bad experiences with churches. You've been rebuked. You've been told to shut up. You've been turned away from the church doors or the small groups or the places you thought you might be welcomed. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And I'm really sorry that that was your experience. I'm really sorry that you were kept from having that meaningful moment with him. But I'm glad that you're checking this out. And I want you to know that you are always welcome at our church. You don't have to be cleaned up. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't need to have any kind of faith background, understanding of the Bible, you are welcome here. And I'm sorry if you've had a bad experience before. We'd love to be a place for you to explore spirituality, faith, and have those moments with Jesus. We'd love for this to be your safe community. Unfortunately, though, there's a lot of us watching this today, and we're the jerks. We're the disciples. We're not Bartimaeus. We're not, we're not hurting, calling out for help. We're the jerks 
that keep people away from Jesus, that push people away. We're like the disciples. We've rebuked people, told them they're not good enough, asked them politely because we're polite people to shut up. We're confused about the message of Jesus. We're confused about who it's for. We're confused about what a person needs to look like, act like, smell like, talk like. We think that we're helping, but really all we are doing is pushing a person ready for transformation further away. And let me keep it simple right now. Don't be a jerk anymore. Stop being a jerk. Don't be the reason that someone doesn't experience Jesus today. Stop standing in the way of life transformation. Stop stop being a jerk at home. Stop being a jerk at work. Stop, stop, just stop it. And let me say a quick thing about social media because I find that that is the easiest place to be a jerk. Your words matter. Your comments matter. Your social media posts, they matter. And if you are a jerk there, and we've all done it a time or two, just stop it. It matters more than you know. It matters more than you know. Like if you're posting political memes one way or the other, just stop it. Stop it. People might know you're a Christian. I would hope they know you're a Christian. And your political memes, they come off as jerk moves. Stop it. Stop calling people names. Stop mocking people that you know or don't know. Stop it. Stop being a jerk. Don't be a jerk. If the disciples can change, you can change too. And if Jesus told them to stop and welcome Bartimaeus, I'm sure you feel Jesus telling you to stop and welcome the people that you don't want to welcome either. Now here's the truth. The world is watching. There are people in need of a changed life. There are people crying out and asking God to change them. They're ready for that. But we as Christians, we as churchgoers, we're great on Sunday mornings from about 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. But after that, the rest of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we are jerks. And the world doesn't need another jerk. The world needs you and I to welcome people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Our annoying neighbors need us, you and me, to welcome them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Our stubborn co-worker needs you and I, us, all of us, to welcome them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Our out-of-touch family member needs us, you and I, to welcome them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And let me say it clearly, jerks don't change the world. Jesus does. Jerks don't change the world. Jesus does. So stop being a jerk. Stop being like the disciples that told Bartimaeus to shut up and go away. Stop living that way and start living like Jesus. Because you're not going to change the world being who you naturally are. You're going to be a world changer when you say yes to living with Jesus, when you say yes to loving like Jesus, 
and caring for those that you don't want to care for. The world is watching and people are waiting for you and I to stop being jerks and start being a lot more like Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, would you change our hearts? Would you change the way we live so that we can love like you, so that we can care like you, so that we can be thoughtful like you? Would you give us the grace to welcome people in? Would you give us the ears to hear those people that are crying out for help, asking for help? And would you allow us to lead them to a place where they can fully experience you? and the life transformation that you have to offer. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for checking us out today. You are always welcome at 1128 Community Church. We meet on Sunday mornings at Oak Creek High School, and uh, that's at 10 a.m. I'd love for you to join us as we continue this series the next couple weeks. They were jerks too. Hope to see you soon.